Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Vaughn. That's a blessing. Let's stand and take our Bibles, please. Numbers chapter 26. Numbers, excuse me, Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13 in the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 13. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. The fourth book of the Bible. The fourth of the five books that Moses wrote. Numbers 13, very exciting chapter, and I want you to go down with me to verse 26 tonight, and as we do every service, would you look around and see if someone next to you needs a Bible that you can share with, and uh, would you look today and see if they make sure they have a King James Version of the Bible. I'm thankful today for uh, Mrs. Carol Dutra, that uh, Carol Dutra got uh, baptized today. She showed me a Bible that was given to your grandmother, is that what it was? It's, it's a King James Version Bible that is, is a hundred and, what is it, 101 years old, Brother Paul? It's 101 years old. It's a King James Version Bible going back to 1917. And her, it's got signatures. It's a blessing there. I took, I took a picture with her of it. It's just a blessing there. And you hold on tightly, cling tightly to God's Word, you bet? And uh, that's what Eliezer did. The Bible says Eliezer, his hand claved to the sword. And you, you hang on closely to the Word of God. Verse 26, follow as we read the Scriptures tonight. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Imagine this with me. This is a church service, okay? And they're out in the wilderness. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel and to the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, we came unto the land where thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. In other words, when you see that phrase, milk and honey, it's saying it's a land that's abounding. It's a good land. Uh, there's much produce there. It's abounding. It's, it's a good land. It's just you can't ask for a better place than that to grow your crops. All right. And they said, this is the fruit of it. Now, if you start to verse 27, you'd say, well, you know, let's go. It's exciting. Amen. Let's go. But you get to verse 28 and you have to scratch your head for a minute because this the same group that had surveyed it. And we'll talk about what they brought back. They said, nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land and the cities are walled. That means they're very high in the walls. And they're very great. In other words, they're saying they're, they're not, we can't penetrate those walls. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. You might underline that. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. And the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb still the people, we're verse 30, Caleb still the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the man that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, <clears throat> for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is the land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the men, people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw here again, 
the sons of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. I call your attention to verse 30, which is our theme verse for 2018. I'd like to ask, as a congregation, you'd read it together with me, uh, if you would, in verse 30 in English. Let's read this together, verse 30. Read loud, clearly, and distinctly. That's how you're supposed to read the Word of God, okay? And the Bible says, verse 30, let's read together. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Would you repeat that again with me tonight? And Caleb... Caleb said this in two words. I believe. That's all he said. I believe. Before three million people. Where the majority report said. We're not able. He said we are able. I believe. And I want you to follow me tonight. I'll follow the Lord tonight. And just hang with me for a few minutes this evening. As we look at this passage And talk about our theme for 2018. Father, we know this evening, I know whom I believe it, and am persuaded that he, that is you, is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. And this evening as we come as a church, I first want to thank you for Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. He was the just, dying for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. I want to thank you tonight that he ever lives And that he's Lord of lords and King of kings. I thank you that his name, the Bible says that there's none other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved. I thank you that, Lord, that you are God. You are not God that began yesterday. You are God who always was, always is, and always will be. You're everlasting to everlasting. You're El Elyon, the Most High God. You're El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty. You're El Olam, the Everlasting God. You're Jehovah Rohi, the Lord who's our shepherd. You're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who, who heals. You're Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who's our banner. You're Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who is there. You're Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord who's our righteousness. You're Eleazar, the Lord God who is our helper. You're, Lord, you're Jehovah Sabbath, the Lord of hosts. And God, we thank you today that you're the God of all mercy. And you're the God of all peace who bruises Satan under our feet. And you're the God of all hope. And you're the God uh, who is only wise. And you're the God of Calvary. And you're the God who loves us and sent your only begotten son into the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you. You're the great potentate. Yet you're immortal, invisible, the only wise God. We thank you today that, Lord, that you're coming again. And your coming could even be tonight. And now this evening, help us to be still and know that you're God. And tonight, calm our hearts and still us this evening. Help those who have fears to find refuge in the Lord. That they might say as David did in Psalm 46, 1. The Lord is my refuge and strength, and I will fear no evil. And we pray this evening that we'll run into the na- that we'll find that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous runneth into it and is safe. And tonight, Lord, as we bow before you, we humble ourselves in heart and soul and mind. That Lord, you'd help us with our little faith, and you'd help us with our unbelief, and you'd help us with our doubting. And Lord, that you'd open our eyes, even as Elisha prayed for one of his servants. He said, "Lord, open his eyes that he would see the wonderful things. Open our eyes and behold wondrous things." 
out of thy law. Open our eyes and see the incredible things you want us to do. And even as you said to Habakkuk this evening, we pray that you'll help us to stand upon our watchtower and to watch and to see what the Lord will tell us. And as we as you tell it to us tonight, we want to record it in that journal and then run and make it known to others. Tonight, we need a, a, a we need to hear from heaven and from God to speak to us tonight. And I pray for a liberty of the spirit and a fresh anointing of God and the power of the Lord tonight to come upon me. Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord God's upon me because he's anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to open the prison doors to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and to give beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. This evening, Lord, we know that you've given us an anointing of God that's from you and that that anointing teaches us all things. And Lord, so that we need not that any man teach us because you teach us all things. And Holy Spirit, come alongside of this wonderful congregation that you love and you shed your blood for. And Lord, may you be our teacher. May you be our paraclete who comes alongside of us to comfort us and encourage us and help us. I pray this will be the year when new believers will see, Lord, they'll take a greater stake in the work of God. And I pray this will be a year for those who are growing in the faith to say this will be an incredible year of growth. And I pray this will be a year for those like myself who've been around the Christian life for over 20 years and over 30 years that we say this year, Lord, we want you to do something greater and mightier than we've ever seen before. The psalmist said in Psalms 81.10, I am the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. You told Jeremiah in Jeremiah 33.3, call unto me and I'll answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Oh, this evening, I pray for a church that would dare to ask God for things beyond our capability. I pray for a church tonight that would dare to ask God to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Lord, we're your church and we submit ourselves to you because that's what we're supposed to do. And we ask tonight that you move us from the place of maybe our comfort zones we're in. And Lord, help us tonight to see a change in our lives that will forever impact our area for Christ. And Lord, we can look back and say, what is the most significant thing that I ever did with my life for Jesus Christ? And so tonight, have your way in us. Help us this evening. Deliver us, Lord, from those strongholds that may be holding us back and worldliness that may be interfering with us and those things that are interfering with the relationship that you want us to have so that we might thrive and grow in Jesus Christ. On this Sunday evening, God, come down on this service, we pray, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Very simply, tonight we're looking at a passage of Scripture that speaks to you and me about faith and belief in God. It is, one, it is a passage of one of many historical examples that serves as a precedent for the Christian life. This evening we're looking at a just a very simple thought this evening about something we must do over and over again that is life-changing and makes the difference between that is good and that which is great. Tonight we're going to look at one man, how one man's faith made a difference in his life and for the nation to come. Tonight we want to look at our 2018 theme which is behind us tonight. We want to look at the subject this evening. I believe. Note you notice three things about our passage tonight in number 13. First of all, I want you to see in verses 1 to 9 how Moses and the people of God are getting a command from God. I want you to see what I call tonight an undebatable perusal. What God told them to do in verses 1 to 9 was not to be debated. What God told them to do was not an argument or for their opinion. God told them to go and make a vision or survey of the land. God had already promised this land to them. He gave them what I call tonight an undebatable perusal. As we start this message tonight, let's consider where Israel's 
at at this moment of time. They are probably about the, in the seventh, eighth, or ninth month, probably about the ninth month after they left the land of Egypt. Passover occurred in the month of what we would call the month of April, the first time Passover occurred. So they're probably right now, right in the beginning of the, the following year of what we would call our calendar year. They're probably right in the beginning, January, February, March, something like that. And uh, they're at that time. And you have to remember where they came from at that time. We have to remember that going back just a few months before, God had raised up Moses and sent him over to them. And they were people in bondage for 430 years. And when the word came to them that God had raised up Moses in, in Exodus chapter 4, and Aaron would be a spokesman, I want you to notice in your notes, in your Bible tonight, the sentiment and the, and the attitude, the mindset of the people. This is important for following me tonight. In Exodus chapter 4, verses 30, 31, we read this, and Aaron spake all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. Now, remember tonight that the Jews, the Bible repeatedly tells us the Jews require a sign. They were skeptical people. They did not. They, they had a difficult time with faith. They had to see before they would believe. And notice in verse 30 of Exodus chapter four, Aaron came They're in bondage down to Egypt. He shows them these mighty signs. Now, I'm not sure if he took his, 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 his staff. The Bible doesn't tell us. So I'm kind of giving conjecture here, but I don't know if he took his staff and threw his staff on the ground and turned to a serpent. I don't know if he's put his hand in his inside of his bosom like Moses did and he came out leprous. We don't know what he did, but we do know this. He showed them some mighty signs that convinced them that God's hand was on Moses and God's hand was on Aaron. And you'll notice verse 31, the Bible says, and the people believed. They saw the signs and the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshiped. Unanimously collected Collectively, the people in, in Exodus chapter 4, verses 30 and 31, before the ten plagues were to be done, had agreed collectively, they had believed that God was going to do something great. They believed the time of deliverance had come. They believed that God had raised up the deliverer. They didn't know how it all was going to happen, but they saw enough of the signs. They said, we've seen and we believe. Now go down to Exodus chapter 14. During that time in between there, we see ten plagues. Ten plagues that God brings upon them. Remember, each of those plagues was God's statement against all the various idols that were worshipped. This was a polytheistic nation that worshipped many gods. They worshipped the river. They worshipped the, worship the sun of... of, of, of uh, of the, of the, of, of Pharaoh. They worshiped the sun in the sky. That's why God set the plague of darkness upon them. They worshiped the frogs of all things. They worshiped the, they worshiped the, the cattle and things of that nature. And they, all these things, all the plagues that God had sent to them were God's statement against an opposition to the pagan idolatrous beliefs they had. And one of the underlying reasons why God did that was because Israel had been influenced by that for 430 years. And quite honestly, you know, if you get around, if you get around that kind of stuff, you just get kind of used to it, alright? I mean, you just get kind of used to what you see in that. And God knew that that was influencing and affecting them. I, I remember Dr. Ed Lorraine, when we were last time we were in the Philippines, he told about this location. And he said, Pastor Fong, he said, it's, it's literally a garbage dump where these people live at. And he says, the first time you go there, the, the, the stench is so overwhelming. But if you go there, you'll notice it doesn't bother the people there because the people that live there in abject poverty, they're just kind of used to that. But he says, we have a ministry there. And I tell my workers, my Bible college students, you're going to go there and you're going to learn the ministry, whether you like to smell or not, you need to understand where those people are at and you need to go reaching for the glory of God. He said, one of these days, I'll take you there. I said, well, we'll stay on one of those days. Amen. And I said, we'll consider that some other time. But, you know, you get used to that you get used to that kind of thing. Listen, the first time, first time on television or something like that, when nudity was shown or swear was shown, people would go, 
like that. But now it's a common thing. It doesn't bother people that they're swearing on TV and nudity on TV and, and uh, all these kind of things which are against what the Bible teaches there. So, you know, you get used to those things. And so God had to send these these plagues on, on, on Egypt so that Israel would recognize that God is in control and there's only one God you're to worship. Well, now God leads them over there. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 14 about the parting of the Red Sea. Great chapter there. They were between, literally between a rock and a hard spot. And the Bible describes that they felt like they were shut in. And God opens the Red Sea. Remember that? I mean, this is kind of right here. We got opened the Red Sea up there and it, it, and it just parted the waves. And then the land was dry and on that seabed was dry. And they walked across during nighttime there while the wind was blowing, was dry. And, and they made it all the way over there. And then they watched as the last person, the last Israelite made their way there. The Egyptian army started coming through with their chariots and their armies and then God brought the waters back down and defeated all those armies and drowned them there and the Bible tells us this on the very last verse Exodus chapter 14 if you'll look at it Exodus 14 verse 31 it says and Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses now watch this tonight the history of the children of Israel was this they saw and then they believed that's not true faith that's not true faith They had to see and then they believed. You see, the Bible teaches us true faith is believing than seeing. It's believing than seeing. Because the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and reward of them that diligently seek him. Here's the secret to answering prayer. The secret to answers from prayer from God. It's your ability to see God answer even though you don't know how it's all going to come together. Even though you really don't have a visualization. It's your ability to have enough faith to believe God is able there. And so the date that the, the history of the nation of Israel, as we get to this passage of scripture, is they are people that have to see and then they believe well watch what happens now we get over here and uh, they're just a few months into this area there they haven't really started this this wilderness journey per se god's led them now at this point and in between there watch what happens the first few days they're out there they're complaining about water and god blessed them with water of the rock and then after that they're complaining about food because they their, their food ran out and god blessed them with manna from heaven and quail at the, the evening and then we read about later on how amalek comes down and it attacks them and uh, that god raises up Joshua. Joshua is mentioned for the first time and Joshua goes out and defeats Amalek and then we read about later on how God gives them the Ten Commandments and then we read about later on how God establishes the tabernacle I mean there's all these wonderful things that are found in the book of Exodus and the beginning part of Numbers and all of Leviticus is about all this here that leads up to Numbers 13. And we have historically all these wonderful things that God is doing on their behalf. And now God looks at them and says, you know what? I, I think the time is now that you're ready to go in the promised land. He said, I've had enough of your complaining and I've given you the water from the rock and I've given you the manna from heaven. And God was faithful every single morning except on the, on the, on the, uh, the Sabbath day. He said, I'm going to give you what you need there. And he said, God provided all their needs for them. And God said, you know what? I think you're ready right now. And I, I want to, I'm going to send, I'm going to help you to get a visualization. But God knew their heart. And God knows your heart. God knows my heart. He knew they were still a people struggling with faith and struggling with believing God because he, because as we saw, these were people that had to see and then they would believe. They had to see and then they would believe. And so God says, you know, I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to help you out a little bit. I'm going to give you the opportunity to send 
12 of your leaders, your tribal leaders into that land to peruse it or to survey it so you can see what it's all about. And I'm going to have them come back and bring the fruit of it. That's where we're at in this passage of scripture. So as you look at verses one to nine, we see that God gives them an undebatable perusal. Now, notice some things about this perusal, if you would, tonight, because I'm going to this first point. I'm going to take us back a little bit in terms of where we've been as a church. And then I'm going to take us forward a little bit and tell you about what's going to happen this year and then help you to see how all the theme applies to that. First of all, what you notice in verses one and three, one to three in Numbers 13, notice in verses one to three, we see a summons from God. Now, a summons, if you understand legal terminology, a summons, when you get a legal summons, you cannot fight that summons. That means you are requested to appear or requested to perform something. A summons is very similar to a command. Notice the Bible says in verses one and two, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, send thou men. Then notice verse three and Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, God gave them a commandment. How many believe tonight a commandment is to be obeyed? Amen. A commandment is to be obeyed. When God gives a command, that means we're to obey him. Verses one to three is not a suggestion. It is not an option. By the way, so winning is not a suggestion. It's a command. Planting church is not a suggestion. It's a command. OK, Disciple, making disciples of men is not a suggestion. It's a command. By the way, reading your Bible is not a suggestion. It's a command. Praying is not a suggestion. It's a command. By the way, just coming to church is a command and not a suggestion. I'm not going to move to you. Say amen. See, I don't think you believe that. I don't think you believe it. I don't. I think God needs to take all of us and drop us right in the middle where persecution is happening in India. Where some of our Indian preachers right now that we support, their preachers are in prison. Some have been killed. Or let me drop some of us, all of us, into the heart of mainland China right now. And let's just go track passing like we do here. Watch what's going to happen there. Or let me take some of us down to some of the more hot spots of Mindanao. Where the Abu Sayyaf terrorists are at. And ISIS is hot down there. Let's go down there. Let's go to Sudan and bring the gospel there. Let's go to Somalia, where I'm not even sure the gospel's down in Somalia right now. And if it is, it's underground. And by the way, I want to tell you, those nations, God loves those nations. God gives them the summons. This is what I want you to do. You need to go down there. He was giving them a commandment from the Lord. He says, he says, send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I given to the children of Israel of every tribe of their fathers. Shall you send a man, everyone a ruler among them? Now, God didn't have to do this, but he knew their hearts. Because remember, as I gave you the background, the people had to see before they would believe. We're like that. Let's get the building up. Then I will give. Oh, let's see, let's see, let's see you win some souls, then I'll go soul winning. Let, let's see you memorize the Bible, then I'll memorize the Bible. And so God just said, look, I'm going to do you guys a favor because I love you. By the way, aren't you glad God loves us tonight? And he said, listen, here's what I'm going to do. We're, you're going to send some men down there. 
You're going to send a ruler or leader out of every tribe down there. He says, you're going to go down. That's the commandment. So tonight, as we look at the summons, I want to give you a couple things tonight. You know, God's given us some commandments today that are relevant to the 21st century. God said he will build his church. God has commanded us to win souls and make disciples. God wants us to love one another. We call that the 11th commandment sometimes. God wants us to build up the local church. You see, when I, t- I want to take you backwards in time, especially for many of you who just come along these recent days. By the way, I'm just excited about every new person in our church tonight. Amen. 19 years ago, January 21st, 1999 is when we open our doors down at the Oakland Asian Cultural Center, downtown Oakland, probably the nicest auditorium in all of Oakland, as far as I'm concerned, especially at that time. We had nice hardwood floors. There was a stage down there. We didn't have to sit up the chairs. Praise the Lord for that. You guys have to do it. You would have said, let's go back there. Amen. Because we didn't have to sit up the chairs. They had their own PA system. I mean, it was all those things. The only thing we had to do was bring out our keyboard and some of our Sunday school supplies every Sunday out of this little closet they gave us. But 19 years ago, God helped us to start this church. And I just want to take you back in time for just a minute. God gave us a commandment. God wanted a church for this, this greater Bay area that would be a so many church, a beacon in darkness that would reach the world for Jesus Christ. And God raised up that church and we didn't know really what we were doing. I'll be honest with you. We didn't have a lot of faith, but we did trust God. And, uh, we had humble beginnings. And now I want to fast forward you for a minute. God started this church. We started the Oakland Asian Cultural Center. And today we're in our third building location in between the Oakland Asian Cultural Center. We went over there to, uh, off of Edwards Avenue, I can't remember the street name, but went off of Edwards Avenue there. And we have a picture of that old, the old church that we were at there in East Oakland, the church that they yellow taped after we left there. Amen. You know, uh, do we have a picture of that, guys? Well, they'll, they'll show it to you. If you see it, you'll see it. If you don't, that's right. You don't miss anything there either. Okay, man. And, uh, and now we're in our, then God, God did, and God did something miraculous to us in our, we weren't even two and a half years old, church. God led us this property. I mean, we weren't two and a half years old. Now, you ask Pastor AJ, he was at Bible Baptist Church. We have several folks who used to grew up in Bible Baptist Church down in, down in San Diego, your national city. I mean, the, how old was the church, Pastor AJ, before, before they got their own, before Brother O'Barrow got the bill? Was it 25, 30 years old before they got their bill? Mrs. Mrs. Hattie Huckle, about 25, 30 years old. I preached your building banquet. It's a beautiful building there. I preached a couple times down there. But it's a miracle what God gave. But they waited 20 plus years to get a church. And God, God, God just looked down on heaven from upon Heritage Baptist Church and we're nobody special. OK, we're nobody special here. But God, God just kind of brought us here. And I'm not going to go into the details of it because it will take up the whole message. But God brought us here. And now you look at where we're at. We're in our we're, we're our, our first building campaign was just the acquisition of this property, which that was a miracle to itself. And and then our second building campaign was just the 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 uh, uh, God. God helped us to raise the money and to uh, purchase it, to, to raise this building up, the Heritage Center. Well, that was just a blessing. And then now we're in our third. Third, third expansion in less than 20 years here. And this is the educational building. And I'm just very thankful for the deacons coming alongside of me a couple years ago as we started working through numbers and praying about that. And all of us said, Pastor, God leads you to start it. Let's go start it. We think we can do it. And uh, let's just go do it. And they, they were saying before even the thing came up, well, I believe, amen. And so we said, let's do it. And so we got behind that and started doing this there. And, and you know, from the beginning, God has given us a building. And I want you to understand that from the very beginning, God said we need to go sowing from the very first time. Remember, the very first sowing night we had was a Tuesday night, downtown Oakland. How many understand downtown Oakland, when it gets dark, you got to be ready, amen. You say, ready for what? You just got to be ready. Amen. Just be ready. Amen. And you got to be ready. We were ready to go so winning. And there's some other things. Amen. And so we started. So by the way, church is still so winning. We started discipling in Pastor Homer's home. Guess what? We're still discipling. Uh, we've been scripturally baptized from the beginning. Guess what? This morning, in spite of a leak in the baptistry, instead of a little bit crisis and having more water on the carpet than we had in the baptistry, we still baptize today. Amen. 
you say, Pastor, was there really water there? If we replayed it, you heard water in there, okay? There was water in there, okay? We had some men bring some old-fashioned pots, and we filled it with hot water. It was just right. I mean, everyone that came and said, whoa, this feels really good, amen, you know? And they were getting like, you know, Pastor, let's just kind of sit around here and have kumbaya. We're going to have a good time here. And I said, no, 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 we're going to baptize and go on, amen, you know? And so, but we're still baptizing, Amen. We started transporting people the first year. We're still transporting people to church. By the way, we're going to keep transporting people to church. And by the way, tonight, I need some men to stand up and say, look, I don't know much about driving, but I'll be a driver and help build a route for God. Amen. Uh, you know, we started we started three services a week to encourage people to grow in the Lord and to attain spiritual maturity. And we still have Sunday morning, Sunday night and Wednesday night services. And I want to encourage you this year just to make a determination that part of your spiritual growth is to be at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Amen. Uh, we started ministries for children and for teens in college that first year. We still have ministries for children, college and teens. We've expanded since that time. We started with a ministry that's in Chinese and still have it. We have translation now in Spanish. We started with a choir and orchestra, and we still have a choir. By the way, how many were blessed by the choir and orchestra this morning, man? Well, I tell you, when they sang Great is Thy Faithful this morning, I thought, man, I was going to come unglued out of my chair this morning, man. Uh, we started with the nursery for our servants, still have it. I'm just saying today, you know what? God told them, I want you to go down there and do something. I want you to go see what's there. And God gave them a command. God gave us command. We see the summons. But notice in verses 4 to 16, we see a selection. God told him to Moses, you're going to look, according to verse 2, a ruler among them. He said, heads of the children of Israel. Watch this now. We call that in our terms tribal leaders. These were men that in terms of that particular tribe, they were looked up to with great reverence, uh, great veneration, men that carried clout, men that would say something and people would say, yes, that's the right thing. These were men that could carry that could carry the crowd. These were men that were well respected and the words were well received. Then if you look at the list of names here, which we don't have time to look at, they were very notable names. But you'll notice there are two names in this that stand out. There's the name of Caleb, who who is the son of Jephunneh, and who, and who was of the tribe of Judah. And we find Hoshea, who ends up being Hosea, as we would say in Spanish, or Joshua, who is of the tribe of Ephraim. Now, those are two men that really stand out to us on, on, on all those. But they're, they're, they're leaders. They're tribal leaders. They're, they're people that are raised up to, to, that were to represent the nation. Watch this tonight. Write this down. These men were to be an extension of Moses down there in that land. Can I remind you tonight that as a leader, you're an extension of your pastor's ministry. You're not to be an overextension. You're to be an extension of your pastor's ministry. You're to help get a good word there. You're to help encourage the people to live for God. You're to encourage them about what God has shown us there. And God knew what he was doing. He says, listen, I'm going to send 12 of the best men down there. You're going to send them down for me. And they're supposed to come back with a good report. There's a selection. You see tonight, the way God works through leadership, he raises us spiritual leaders, older and emerging. He raises spiritual leaders to help encourage the people and say, hey, it's a good thing. And the vision's a good thing and and following the lord's a good thing and serving god's a good thing and we ought to do that and that helps instill things in people's heart we're to instill faith and confidence we're to be a good example we're to assist in building god's work and not building our own kingdom there and then notice thirdly in verses 70 to 25 god told them they needed to sojourn down there now the sojourn means this they were to go down in that area and to survey it 
The story is told of a shoe company uh, many years ago, a shoe company that was a national shoe company in the United States that wanted to expand its operations internationally. And they said, we need to go where no man has gone. And uh, the CEO was very visionary. And he said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. And he took two of his top salesmen. These guys, I mean, they, they, they won the records every year. Everybody else just kind of felt like, you know, we're not going to beat these guys. He took his two top salesmen and he sent them to this, this country of Africa, a very largely populated country of Africa, but it was undeveloped nation. They were not, if you would, they didn't have the cities and things like that like we have. It was a very undeveloped nation. And he sent them down there to, to survey it. And all he wanted them to do is like what, what Moses told them to do here. I want you to go there and survey the land. And then I want you to bring back a report. Salesman number one comes up and he says to the CEO, you know, we went down there. Thank you for it. And he says, you know, everything, it's, it's got a long ways to go. They don't have sewer. They don't have plumbing. They don't have this. They don't have that. They don't have, they don't have running water and things like that. And everybody walks barefoot down there. He says, don't waste your money. Don't spend your time there. There's no opportunity going down there. The second salesman cuts up and the CEO says, what do you think? He says, hey, I tell you what, it's a great opportunity. Everybody there is barefoot. I see an opportunity for shoes on every feet. Amen. And he said, let's go down there, spend the money, go down there and start the shoe factory. You see, I'm saying tonight, everybody has a different perspective of how they see a vision and what they see there. And God sent these men down there. He what? They weren't supposed to go down there and come back with their opinion. They were supposed to come back go down there and bring back a report. Do you understand the difference? They're supposed to go down there and give a report, not to give their opinion. They were to record very meticulously what they were to do. So notice verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and sent unto them, Get you up unto uh, this way southward and go to the mountains. Now, he's going telling them to go into uncharted territory. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? Uncharted territory means they had never been down that way. The Bible says, hitherto, you've not been down this way before. They had never been there. They were not mountain people. Remember, they had been in bondage for 430 years. They were civilized people. These were, hey, listen, the Israelites were city boys. They weren't country boys, all right? They weren't mountain people. They didn't understand all of those things there, okay? He says, you go down there. And he says in verse 18, see the land what it is and the people that dwelleth there, therein whether they be strong or whether they be weak or few or many and what the land is that they dwell in whether it be good or whether it be bad and what cities they be that they dwell in whether in tents or in strongholds and when, what the land is whether it be fat or whether it be lean whether it be wood or whether there are not in other words is, is it forested or is it barren what is it and he said be ye of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land now the time was the time of the first white grapes and all I want to tell you today is God sent them down there they were to sojourn there we read later on they were we're down there for 40 days. Now, how do you understand? Being 40 days away from home is a long time. I'm one of those guys. I don't like living out of suitcase. Amen. And I don't like living out of a backpack. One week, I'm good. Ten days, that's it. I can't take any more of that. I mean, I've got to get home. Okay. And they, you're talking about 10, 12 men who went down there. They had to leave their families back home. And they had to wait. And everybody else had to wait for them. And for 40 days, everybody back home is waiting with bated breath. I can't wait to see what they're going to tell us. I can't wait to see what they're going to show us. They're excited. They're just building this momentum. They're down there for 40 days. And so there's a soldier going on. These men are down there. And you now, you remember this. 40 in the Bible is always the number of trial and testing. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. So remember, they were there for 40 days. It was time of trial and testing. Listen, when you're far away on a mission, you've got to guard your heart very carefully. When you're far away from church, you've got to guard your heart very carefully. When you're far away from God's wonderful, precious word, you've got to be very careful. And so notice this. We see this. We see a summons. We see a selection. We see a sojourn. But notice in verses 23 to 24, we see a sampling. Now watch what's happening. Happens here. 
These men, after 40 days, they come back. And verse 23 tells us, and they came into the brook of Eskel and cut, excuse me, let's go to verse 22. So they ascended by the south and came unto Hebron, where Amihan, Sheshai, and Tarmii, the children of Anak, war. Now, you just want to underline the words talks about the children of Anak. I'm going to talk to you about them in just a minute. Now, Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the brook of Eskel. And Eskel, if you would, this is identified as a, as a water place where the water was so good, the nutrients from the soil and the nutrients from the water were so good. Notice what it produced in terms of the fruit, the produce around it. This is real, okay? It says, And they came to the brook of Esco and cut down from thence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bear it between two upon a staff. Now, I'm a grape guy. I love grapes, okay? Grapes are good for you. They have flavonoids and all those kind of things. By the way, how many believe the Bible has some good things for your health? Amen? And you read it right here in this verse here. It's just, it's talking about, now don't buy the book that's called the Daniel's diet. If you look at the guy who wrote the Daniel's diet, his belly sticks out like this. I mean, he's not on the Daniel's diet, okay? He's on some other diet. I mean, it's probably the in and out diet, but it's not on the Daniel's diet, amen? And, uh, but the Bible talks about here, it talks about clusters of grapes and pomegranates and figs. And if you know, if you know anything about, about, about Antioch and stuff like that, th- those are good things for you. I mean, they're good for you there, okay? So watch this. So they go down to the book Esco, they're serving the area, and they come across these vines and these humongous, large Clusters of grapes. Now, if you can imagine this with me, these are, these are real men. Okay, these are men that, they, they, they know how to walk and travel. And, uh, these men, they see these clusters of grapes. And the cluster of grapes was so huge that they cut off. They had to put it on, suspended on a pole. And it took two men to carry that, if you can imagine that, alright? I mean, I, I don't know how heavy that was, but it had to be pretty heavy if it required two men to carry it. So I tried to imagine in my mind for a little bit as I studied this, how big were those grapes? And I have to imagine that the grapes were probably the size, if you can imagine this, uh, their size of minimum of an orange, most likely the size of a grapefruit. Amen? And I don't know about you, that would be a great grape to eat. And they were luscious grapes and juicy grapes and they were sweet grapes and they were good grapes and healthy grapes there. And the Bible tells us in verse 22 here that they cut down one cluster only of grapes and they bear it between two upon a stem and they brought it the pomegranates and the figs. Here's what they did. They brought a sampling back to the people of what they saw. They viewed the land and they brought the sample back. And verse 24 says, the place was called the Brook of Eskel because of the cluster of grapes from the, which the children of Israel cut down from thence. They considered the grapes they brought back. And as we'll read later on, the people saw it. And I imagine the people thought, oh, man, that is great. I can't wait to get down there. I, I, and I can imagine Israelites when they saw the cluster of grapes and the huge pomegranates and the huge figs and, and the lusciousness of them. And maybe somebody cutting a, taking a, a grape and slicing up into pieces here. Try this and try that. You'll love it. It's going to be great down there. I mean, I, I think there was just these people that really want to get down there. There is this, what a sampling they have. They got, the spies got a good perusal of the land and the perusal helped them to see the opportunities of what God was going to give them. Watch this. God allowed these 12 spies to get a foretaste of what God was going to give them. Now, God didn't have to do that. He had already promised them the promised land. Did he not? He already promised them that land. He already said, I'm going to give you a land flowing with milk and honey. So, I mean, the fact that God said it, all they had to do was believe it. Say amen. Amen. I mean, so they didn't, they didn't need, they did, God didn't have to send them on a survey trip down there, but God knew their heart that they were people that had to see before they would believe. And so God said, I'm going to do you a favor. I want you just to get a sampling of the land, what's going on. Can I tell you something tonight? God has given us a sampling of what he wants to do with Heritage Baptist Church. God has given us a sampling of things he wants to accomplish and do for his glory. And I want to talk to you tonight as we think about some of these things. I want to talk to you about things that God wants us to do for 2018. I want to tell you some things that I pray you'll take some notes and you'll think about and God will burn a desire in your heart. Number one, I want you to see in 2018 the personal growth opportunities, the personal growth opportunity. 
These men needed to see how they and their family and tribes could benefit from being down in that land of promise because it would be an area they would have to develop. It would be an area that would require fighting and wars and planting and sowing and plowing and cultivating and digging up the dirt. But God wanted them to see the possibilities there. And I want to encourage you tonight, make 2018 a year in which you will read the Bible. Make it a year when you'll read the New Testament at least two times. If you read four chapters, five chapters a day of the New Testament, you can get through it at minimum two times, probably three times in a year. Make it a year you'll read through the New Testament at least twice and the Old Testament once and the book of Proverbs every day. Proverbs is 31 chapters. You read uh, one chapter a day and when February comes up, just add up, uh, maybe spread it out, just to get it get in there a little bit more over 28 days. But make this a year when you will personally will thrive. You'll just make a determination. I'm going to start reading my Bible. In a few minutes we're going to present a packet to you and decide we have a Bible reading schedule. We're suggesting that you adopt. They'll help you read through the Bible Bible is here. And many of you have done that. And many of you have read through your Bible. And I still remember some of our members when we first gave that first challenge back a few years ago, that some of them said, Pastor, this year we got it done. And we're amazed at how our life changed by reading all of the Bible through in one year. And I want to encourage you, just don't nitpick the Bible and things like that, but read the Bible. I want you to make this a year in which you'll commit to praying a minimum of 30 minutes a day. You say, I don't have enough to pray about. Yes, you do. Here's what you do. It, just to start off, you know, if you just prayed one minute more than you prayed last year, that's one minute more than you prayed last year. Amen. But here's what you can do. You can pray 15 minutes in the morning, 15 minutes at night. Huh? I told I told uh, 10 or 12 of our men that came in the office to pray with me tonight. I said, guys, I said, you know, God's been working my heart for this year and I, I'm committing. I'm just telling you publicly, I'm committing this year above what I'm already praying. I'm committing to add another 30, 45 minutes a day in prayer for this for the work of the ministry here. I don't know where I'm going to find the time, but I have to do it. It's pressed on my heart. There's some things going on that we need to pray more for. And I realize tonight we need to commit to some things we've got to do for in our lives. I, I want to encourage you to, to, if you haven't already done so, to schedule to receive the My God Morning Devotions in the morning. Now, those are not de- de- designed to replace your reading of the Bible. It's designed to just kind of give you a shot in the arm to help you. And if you've noticed some January 1, the Lord has just led and just some, some, from very, some very, from very unique thoughts and things, especially this coming week, that'll be very helpful to you in your spiritual growth. That'll just give you a thought for the day and a jolt for your, your living. But I want to encourage you to let 2018 be a year of personal growth opportunities. Secondly, I want you to make this an incredible year of spiritual and numerical growth through the church. An incredible year of spiritual and numerical growth through the church. Number one, this month, we're going to start off great. I'm thankful our anniversaries this month. And I want you to schedule ahead of time when you get the calendar, schedule ahead of time to attend our special Bible preaching conferences. I'm thankful for Dr. R.B. Ouellette, one of the great preachers of our generation, a true fundamentalist in the word, a true Baptist of the word of God, and one of the greatest soul winning pastors of our generation. Dr. R.B. Ouellette will be with us on January 22nd and 23rd, Monday and Tuesday night. Our midweek service on Wednesdays moved to Tuesday night. Then this year, many of you do not know Dr. Wayne Van Gelderen. We'll have Dr. Wayne Van Gelderen for the very first time our church. I'll be with this church later this month preaching their stewardship banquet and preaching for some parenting conferences they've got. And we're going to bring Dr. Van Gelder in here. He's one of God's great servants. Their church, Falls Baptist Church, is a very unusual church. Great so many church. Probably the best music program anywhere in fundamentalism right now. Great music program. They got little kids, four years of age, learning how to play the violin. You ought to see their orchestra. You ought to hear their orchestra. You ought to see their choir. Their Christmas musical, Brother Daniel was telling me, Brother Daniel Van Gelderen told me, hey, Pastor Fon, I just want to let you know, we had three Christmas musical services, and God blessed and gave us, in spite of the snow, over 3,000 visitors to that con- to, to musical. 
Dr. Van Gelderen probably has done more to promote uh, on bent, what we call the unbended knee praying emphasis among churches there. And he's a greatly used man of God. And we get to have him for our spring revival, April 8th to, I think, the 12th or something like that, Sunday through Wednesday. And then later on this year, we're privileged to have one of the great evangelists of our generation. In fact, Brother Irwin uh, uh, interned when he got out of Bible college, too, brother, brother, uh, Dr. Tom Farrell, uh, who's one of our great evangelists of our generation. And Dr. Farrell was with us probably about four years ago, and we saw one of our best revival conferences. And he'll be with us back in October, scheduled to be in those services. Don't make excuses. Be there for that. And then let me talk to you about some things that are going on. One of the big things we're going to do in the first five months of this year, we're going to have, we're going to make Easter a big deal this year, a really big deal. You say, well, we've made a big deal in the past, not as big as we should have. This year, our big outreach is not going to be a big day because we don't have the facilities here to bring in fire trucks and police trucks and all of that stuff that we normally do because of the construction. We're going to kind of put that off a little bit. And our big, our big attendance time for this for this first half of the year is going to be our resurrection Easter Sunday. And you think about it, I get all excited tonight to tell you about it, but you think about it, what better time to invite people to church than on Resurrection Sunday? I mean, you, you get people thinking about it for four weeks in advance and we're going to hit it real hard and we're praying for hundreds and hundreds of visitors and we're going to do kind of a mini, mini uh, Easter musical and just a combination of songs that our choir is very strong at and I'm praying that the Lord would just use it. We're going to make some decisions this month on it, but we may, we may go to a Saturday night service to draw a crowd in for that and maybe two services on Sunday, draw another crowd in for that. And our whole emphasis is using the resurrection of Jesus Christ to draw people in. And we want to get as a church, we want to mobilize the church that every single person will commit to giving out several hundred packets and, and invitations and getting people to church and seeing what God's going to do there. And we're just excited about what God can do through that and, and a great outreach opportunity for that. And then... And then we're, we're excited about this year. We've, we're challenging our choir and our orchestra, in spite of the fact we're very small in number, to produce a CD that we're going to have faith music missions come here on site. Uh, and, and Brother Russ, they're going to come here on site and help us produce a CD that uh, some of our best songs that we sing. And uh, we're going to, and my goal through that is not, we're, we're not, you say, well, Pastor, we're trying to be famous. No, we're not. I want to produce a CD so through that CD, we can put that in people's hands. And you and I, you could buy some CDs and put in people's hands and say, I'd like you to come to our church and you give them a chance to, Hear the godly music that's produced from the church there and to encourage them in the Lord there and use it as an opportunity to get to the door. Maybe somebody you're working with as a prospect, you can go back a third or fourth time and say, hey, by the way, I was thinking about you and praying for you. I want to give you a CD from our, our, that you can listen to about our choir. Just gives you another high-touch opportunity you can do with people. And then this year, we're making plans to have two kids camps, not one kid camp, but two kids camps. We're making a strong summer emphasis in reaching children. And our first one's going to be the last, uh, it will be at the end, the last week of June. It'll be June 27th to 29th. It'll be a Wednesday, a Thursday, and a Friday. And we're going to do it at nighttime. And we're trying to reach a collection of kids because if you don't know about this area, this area's got nothing but kids programs going on for everybody. So really, a lot of parents are looking for babysitting, uh, I hate to say it, but looking for babysitting opportunities to, to commit their kids to. And we want to kind of take a different approach and say, look, we're going to reach the children and we want to reach the parents as well. And what I'm looking for on that night is that we'd have, we'd, we'd hit it hard. It's right after school's out. We'd hit it hard. And I need adults to step up. I don't want just students doing it. I want you adults to help out. I'm asking you adults to say, I believe that God can save children through kids camp. And we'll need some adults that will say, Pastor, I will drive. I'll go 
go, I'll, I'll drive a vehicle and get them in. And pastor, I'll make refreshments. And pastor, we'll help you to reach out to them. And I want some of our, my Spanish speaking brethren. We had a large number of Spanish speaking families that came this past year. I want you to come and come alongside of me as we give the gospel to them. And we have a large number of Chinese speaking families that come to them. And I want our Chinese speaking brethren to come alongside of me for that special event to reach those families. And we want to get the gospel to hundreds and hundreds of them. We want to make it very special. And we already work, we already have a theme chosen for this kids camp, but this needs to be a church event. And we're going to roll our Wednesday night for that, that, that Wednesday, June 27th, to be a kids camp emphasis so that we can reach the families and do our part there. And I'm asking you to just maybe make some sacrifice here a little bit. Just say, you know what? I'll take those ex, I'll take off a little bit early so I can come to church and help us with that and help us get more people in and enlarge our capacity for that. Our second kids camp. Be at our normal time later later in, in August, the first week of August. And that'll be a daytime kids camp that'll go from Monday through Friday. It'll be from noon to three or so. And we want, again, another strong emphasis. And we just want to reach kids. And I'm asking a lot of you just to say, I volunteer wherever you can use me. I'm willing to be a teacher. I'm willing to be this because we're looking to recruit people now so the training can start in these ensuing weeks and months so you can be prepared and ready. And by the way, everyone can have a part in doing something there for kids camp. And we're looking forward to God doing a wonderful, wonderful thing for that. And then we have some something new that we've never done before that I pray will be a great gospel, uh, gospel preaching, gospel outreach. Uh, I've talked to Brother Daniel Van Gelderen and his father, Dr. Wayne Van Gelderen, for months now about having them uh, bring a team down here, uh, some of their best um, instrumentalists to come down here to coordinate with our choir and orchestra to have uh, a sacred music concert outreach. And people love concerts and they love music. And we're going to do that on the third weekend of September, right when school starts out, so we can get into the school systems and the universities and start reaching people for that and give you ample time as people start going back to work and get off vacation to start inviting for that. And our whole emphasis that weekend will be just sacred music that people can come to and they'll hear some wonderful music and things and, and we're going to have preaching of the word of God. We're going to give the salvation message and we're praying that God will help us reach a few hundred people through that and get the gospel out and t- get some people saved. This is something we've never done before, but we believe that God can work through that in a wonderful way. And then and then if we would, we're going to have in October our annual friend day. And then we're, we're planning to have our Thanksgiving banquet again back in the November since the new building will be up. And then we're planning to have a great Christmas musical. And we're going to start a little bit earlier on the Christmas musical so we can really hit it hard. This past year, to the glory of God, we had our best attended Christmas musical. And we had many people saved and still get reports of it. And we have a testimony of that just tonight. We have a, a young man here who came to the Christmas musical on the first night. He raised his hand and got saved. We have a testimonial that because of that on our Christmas Eve, service, Mrs. Carol Dutra, she got saved at our Christmas Eve service. I'm just saying, you know, when you look at things like that, that the Lord, the Lord can use these things. And we want to put this to you so that you can lay out the calendar on the floor and pray and say, God, this is what God led us to start. And we want to do these things and reach people for the glory of God. Uh, we're making plans to kick up our missions this year in our missions conference. And and that's something else I'm going to do a little bit differently. I'm thankful for our married couples retreats. And this year, the Lord did not lead me. In fact, he led, after last year's retreat, the Lord did not lead me to do a married couples retreat this year for our couples, mainly because we have a lot of couples who cannot get the time off and they can't make it. And, uh, and I feel, I just feel a burden in my heart for all the families who, who don't go and don't benefit from it and some newer families and maybe, maybe folks who just need to hear the word of God, what God has to say about the family. And so we're going to have probably around, probably right after the, 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 uh, the April, uh, spring revival 
revival, I'm going to do a, a series on the marriage and family. And we're going to kind of take, uh, we're going to use as a springboard, uh, Dr. Chappell's new book, Are We There Yet? And uh, we're not, I'm not preaching those messages. I have some messages God's already given me that are unique for our church. We're going to kind of use that as our theme, and we're going to launch it out there so we can give a book in people's hands to help them with their marriage or help them with raising their kids. And uh, we want to use it as an opportunity reaching families for the gospel. And uh, I'll tell you this, you don't, you're not in my office most of the time, but most do families that come to me, the very first thing we want to talk about is their family and the challenges they face their family. And they ask the question, how do we start a family altar and how do we build a family for the glory of God? We're going to do some of this for this coming year there and on that there. And then if you'll notice, thirdly, one of our greatest needs we have in 2018, and Brother Denny has been helping allude to this in our in our offering time. Our biggest priority in 2018 is to finish the completion finish of this new educational building. And we want to get this building completed. I walked in there yesterday. I put on a hard hat. I walked on the concrete in spite of it being wet. And I walked through what, what, is, what is going to be our visitor center. And I walked through what's going to be our new nursery there. And I didn't go all the way down to the part where the, where the choir, choir room is going to be and, and, the, and the Sunday school room there. But I just kind of walked in and stood there by myself with a hard hat on, praying over the property, praying for God to use us. And I started praying for that nursery. God, raise up preachers in this nursery. And I said, God, help us have more children born. They'll be in this nursery. Raise up the workers we need for this ministry there. And I started working, started looking above me at the at the rafters there. As they start putting up the steel and things and getting ready for the second floor. And all the classrooms are going to be there. You see, that building is probably going to be one of the most important buildings of our church as we go forward. In that building, our purpose for that building is to start and build Sunday school classes. Sunday school is the church organized. Sunday school is the means by which we want to use it. We'll say, well, I'm part of the home builders class. Or I'm part of the, uh, the, uh, the this class and that class. We'll have names for all those classes. And basically, our goal is to get people as we reach them to identify with that specific class so they, they, they look at the church because some people look at our church and they hear five or 600. They think, that's too big for me. I, don't, I can't identify. That's too many people. And I, I get people phobia by that. I understand that, okay? But people, people are, are, are cool. They're okay with the fact if, if I say, hey, I'd like you to be part of my home builders class and we've got 25 people there, we're adding folks, they're good with that because that's a small nucleus by which they can meet some friends. Please, please understand this tonight. People stay in church because of relationships. It takes a very mature Christian to stay in church just through preaching. Many people need relationships. In fact, most of us. And they need to know that through the, through the course of the Sunday school ministry, our adult Bible classes, that's where growth occurs. We're going to shake up the home builders class and adult Bible class, which has been meeting in here and we're having a wonderful time. We're going to shake these classes up and I'm going to, I'm going to get some of you. I'm going to shake up your, 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 uh, your comfort zones and put people in different classes and break up our teachers. And we're going to take experienced teachers and match them with, with teachers that are growing as we're teaching right through that right now. And we're going to be challenged every class to grow and every class to have a fellowship time. And deep within our class, we're going to have a structure within our class where we're going to have a teaching platform where we're going to teach the word of God, but not over inundate you. And we're going to teach the word of God and give you an opportunity to, to grow in the faith and, and then through that that our, our care ministry of the church will be exercised first through that Sunday school class that when we hear about, listen, that so-and-so is about to have a baby, well, then that class needs to take the, we're going to make sure that class takes the first step out in ministering to that mother and providing meals and things of that nature there. Or somebody in their class is in the hospital. We want to make sure that we have a prayer chain that's developed within that class. And we're going to have caring ministries through that. We're developing people for that. But you have to understand something. A caring ministry through Sunday school involves work. It involves organization. It means you've got to keep those people in front of you. It means Monday morning, you're waiting for an email from me or from Brother Justin that says, hey, here are the people that need, need you to call and contact there. And then through that, 
Our Sunday school class, our Sunday school classes will be the means by which we're going to recruit and develop people for our soul winning outreach ministries. Now I'm going to say this and not to anybody's chagrin, but we're doing, we're not doing as good a job as we should be through our adult Bible classes and building involvement. And everyone should be involved. We want to build excitement and I'm going to have a soul winning leader in each class who's going to share testimonies and help get instilled within us. Why soul winning is a great thing there. And then we're going to have through this, we're going to make sure that everyone has gone through, through discipleship or that they are leading a discipleship. They've been trained and developed to lead a discipleship class and helping people to grow in the faith. And so our, our Sunday school classes are going to be an opportunity for us to grow and build people there. Right now, you've heard me say this, right now we have at least 200 adults that are not in the Sunday school class and we need to get them in that class where they're growing and fitting them perhaps within their life stages and things of that nature there. But that building is very instrumental so that maybe we take 100 people that we have in Sunday school now and we break them into four classes of 25 and we're going to challenge them to grow. And when that class grows to 50, then what we're going to do is we're going to break it up and start a new class. We'll take half those people out and start a new class. And then we'll take the emerging teacher and he's going to be responsible for starting a new class. We may have a ladies class with that. We're going to have a few other classes with that. I mean, I've got a lot of things I want to do with this thing. But the building's going to be central for us to do that as we grow and fill up that room. You, you have to understand this. We go in that building, we'll already have six rooms already filled up. Four classes right now are displaced and then the nursery and, and preschool is going to go in there. We already have six rooms already occupied. That gives us only nine rooms for growth. As soon as we occupy that we are at a place right then and there based on what will be in this heritage center attendance and based on the attendance inside there we're going to be a place we need to go to two services of the church I'm ready to go I'm ready to do it alright I'm ready to go to two services and then to go to a, a, a duplicate Sunday school hour so we can minister to people's needs and people have a sense of identification but these are the things that we need to do and then fourthly notice as we consider the sampling of the land, uh, consider this with me tonight. Uh, we, we, you know, we're, we're going to need long-term parking, uh, more long-term parking. We're seeing the people next door pray for our meeting Tuesday about the people next door about building an access way next door. But we're going to need long-term parking that we own. And we're going to have to remodel the main building. There are things that need to be done. It's just an older building and things need help there. And uh, we, you know, we're looking and praying about uh, outside additional facilities God will give us one day for a daycare, preschool type of ministry there. And, and we're looking that uh, to take time to take our Bible Institute. We're putting on park right now. We're parking for a minute here. And I want to look at getting developing our Bible Institute to where it's a five-day week Bible Institute for training men of God to serve God and be preachers of the ministry and starting churches of that nature. Where God, I believe God is working on the hearts of young men right now in our church to do that such a thing. And I'm not blowing smoke. These are things down in the pipeline we're planning to do. We're going to put some dates behind it and some structure behind it and some rampart behind it. But I'm saying tonight, listen, when God when God sent those spies out there, he told them to come back with a sampling. They came back with, a, with, with some things to show them what was going on and you've seen some samplings i mean come on church you've seen what god's done i mean god's led us to three building programs i mean god has led us to have a, a full orchestra and god's led us to have a full choir and god helped has helped us to have a number of vehicles on the road they're picking up people and we're seeing people saved every week and we're seeing people baptized we're seeing god influence communities and areas and we've got people coming from as far away as santa rosa and other places come to church i'm just saying today what a great opportunity we sample the land what god wants to do through heritage baptist church Notice number two, real quickly. I want you to not only see the perusal, but I want you to see the persuasion. I want you to see an undefeated persuasion. The spies come back with the sample. And notice in verses 26 to 27, we see the unquestionable report. After 40 days, the spies came back and they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation of the children of Israel. Notice this, everybody came. They called a business meeting. I called a preaching service. 
And they came and they showed them the sample of the land. The men that were carrying, the, suspending this cluster of grace between a pole, they showed to the fruit of the land. Lotus is there. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They showed them the pomegranates. They showed them the figs. They showed them the grapes. And in verse 27, they told him and said, We came into the land where thou sentest us, and surely it flowed with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. They said, Listen, it's more than we could have ever imagined before. Who could imagine clusters of grapes the size of grapefruits? Who could imagine pomegranates and figs so big? This is the fruit of it. It floweth with milk and honey. We've seen God work in our church. We've seen God work through our giving by faith. Last year we had a record-breaking offering that you as a church participated in and gave to the glory of God so this new education building could get started. We've seen God work through faith promise where though we don't really understand a lot what's going on, we do know one thing, that God wants wants us to be behind reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's a church giving just close to 400000 a year to faith promise missions there. We've seen God work in saving souls and adding to the church. I, mean, I want you to consider some of the families that have been added to the church in recent days. We have Arnold and Rose Mercado. And I want you to think with me about, about the Kirkabees, Jerry, Michelle, and Evelyn being added in the middle of this year. And, and last week, Thomas and Tiffany being voted into membership. And, and then Jose and Norma uh, being voted into membership earlier this year. And Tony Gura uh, uh, getting to the membership. And then Paul and then his mother, Carol, will be voting in in a couple of weeks here. I mean, we've had all these people that have been added to the church. And I don't know about you, but that, that thrills my heart. Amen. I mean, think about our friend day and uh, all the people that came for that and the souls are saved. And think about our Christmas musical. I mean, we've, we've seen a sampling of the land. We've seen the report and God has given us that thing. And, you know, I just want to say tonight, there's more fruit we can see and there's more bus and van routes we can start and there's more children we can reach and there's more families we can add. And, and I want you to look at the fruit God has allowed us to see over the last few years and just the last few weeks. I want you to see that today. And listen, they brought an unquestionable report. There's no doubt about it. God was in it. There's no doubt about it. God wants us in that land. Hey, listen, there's no doubt about it. God wants us church to be here. There's no doubt about it. God wants to impact this day for Jesus Christ tonight. We see the unquestionable report, but notice secondly, the uncertain rejection. Ten of the leaders gave a doubtful rejection. You'll notice verses 28 and 29 and 31 to 33, and I'm going to capsulize it for you for a minute. They told Moses, we're not able. Here's the report, but we're not able. We see the high walls. We see cities that look like they can't be penetrated. We see the sons of Anak. Do you understand the sons of Anak were the the forerunners of Goliath? Goliath is a descendant of those people. And the sons of Anak take us back to men like Og. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 3, and we have a description of the Rephiams that they're called. The Rephiams were called the, that's a word for giants. And if you read the story there about Og, this man by the name of Og, the man had a bed that was about 14 feet long. It was made of brass. 
If it was 14 feet long, it's kind of like how we make a bed. You know, you want enough feet, you want enough room for your feet to stretch out. You don't want your feet just touching, hanging over the edge. How many understand that tonight? Amen. And so he probably was 11 or 12 feet tall. Hey, catch with me. Goliath was nine feet, six inches tall. These men, these sons of Anak, they scared people because basically when you looked up, you were looking like this. They were 11 or 12 feet tall. If your normal ceiling height is 8 or 9 feet, those men were so tall, their heads went over the ceiling. And they saw the sons of Anak. And we have the repetition about the sons of Anak because anyone who saw the sons of Anak, they were scared. They were petrified. They were scared about going on. They saw those giants and said, we can't go in there. And then here's their comparison. They are so big. We look like little grasshoppers compared to them. We are so insignificant. They're going to... Smashers like a cockroach and like a grasshopper, we won't make it. They gave an evil report concerning the land. They said this land is this land has is, is flowing with milk and honey, but it will eat us up alive. They said we're not able. They said we can't conquer this. They said we can't that we can't and we should not. You know what they were telling Moses? We understand that God has a vision for that land. We understand we're supposed to start churches. We understand we're supposed to sow crops. We understand we're supposed to win souls. But they said we can't, we won't. And if you read chapter fourteen. Basically, the people got to the point where they basically said, we're not going to follow you, Abraham, uh, Moses. We're not only going to follow you, we're going to raise up another captain. We're going to find another leader. And it's better for us to go back to Egypt because that's not where we're going to go. They said, we're not going to go with you down in the promised land. They were saying, Moses, this is a bad idea. Moses, this is too big for us to deal with. They're saying, Moses, we're too small and lacking resources. Moses, we'll be fighting giants until we conquer the land. Moses, we can't, we can't and we won't. Listen, tonight, they said, we are not able. They were giving a doubtful rejection. Let me tell you something tonight. Vision will inspire you to faith or vision will cause you to have fear. Vision will inspire you to go forward or vision will cause you to back off. Maybe some of you are thinking the same thing. You're saying you wrote God off. You wrote off God's vision a long time ago because you said, well, if I'm going to follow the vision, that means it involves attendance. It involves commitment. It involves money. It involves work. It involves time. It involves prayer. It involves effort and good spirit. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. and I've got to do this. And God knows all that. But maybe we wrote that off many times ago. Many of us are thinking, okay, I'm for the vision as long as somebody else does it. Let somebody else execute the vision on that, okay? And I believe tonight, I have no doubt, I'm going to tell you tonight, I have no doubt right now that the money we need to pay off that building is in this room. I have no doubt that the money needed to pay off that building to get it completed and to furnish it is in this church. I have no doubt that this church has the capability of doubling over. I have no doubt there are preachers that are supposed, there are men that are supposed to surrender to the ministry. God's been not just knocking your heart. He's got a bear hug in your heart, but you refuse to give in to God. I have no doubt that we can have 1,000 visitors in our church on a given Sunday, but it involves work. I have no doubt we can acquire much land in spite of the prices of real estate. The problem wasn't God's vision. The problem is what the people were seeing. We see giants. We see walls. We see fear. We see battles. We see bloodshed. We see tears. We see involving us. We, we don't, we, we, we just can't see it. We don't see it. And, and I'm going to say tonight, you know, you know, we have to ask ourselves tonight. I've thrown some things out and some are thinking, yeah, okay. Okay, pastor. And some are thinking, Oh, heard this before. And I'll be honest with you. 
I'll be honest with you. God's going to get his vision done with or without us. You know, God's going to save the world with or without us. Churches are going to start it with or without us. Schools will be reached with or without us. And so notice a third thing tonight. Notice we see the the unambiguous resolution. We read verses 29 to 31 with the exception of verse 30. And man, that's like we can't do it and we're not we're not able to and we're not going to do it. (laughs) And here here's Rome was done tonight. Okay, One man. Who's the minority? One man states what I call an unambiguous resolution. He made very clear in verse 30. That he was on board with the vision. Caleb listened with shock and grief because those 10 men who gave all this pushback to Moses. In that valley, they didn't say a thing. In that valley, in that mountain area, they did not say a thing. In fact, they were receptive of the grapes and they carried the grapes. They saw the fruit thereof, but they were not. They they just did not go in with it. And Caleb listened with shock and grief as 10 of his fellow leader colleagues gave a bad report about the lamb. The Bible tells us Caleb had a different spirit. The Bible tells us repeatedly, Caleb, holy, followed the Lord. Caleb was a man of great faith. Notice his resolution, verse 30. He stilled the people. Listen, 3 million people started murmuring and chatting. Look at chapter 14. They started murmuring and they started going with the majority opinion. We can't do this and do that. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're a tribal leader, you carry influence, you be careful where you put your influence. God's going to send some lightning on if you put your influence in the wrong way. And he said, listen, Caleb got up and he was, he was 85 years old. He was, excuse me, excuse me, he was 40 years old at that time. And he got up and he said, listen to me, listen to me. You all be quiet. He said this, hush, be quiet. Hush your lips, shut your mouths. He said, he stilled the people. And he says, listen, we let us go right now and possess it. Listen, what are we waiting for? We've seen the fruit. We've seen the grapes. We've seen, yeah, we've seen the giant. But look at the grapes. And look at the figs. And look at the pomegranates. Look, we said, let us go up right now. Let's do it right now. He said, we are well able to overcome him. You know what he's saying? I believe. I believe God will help us overcome it. I believe the God who brought us out of Egypt will overcome it. I believe the God who opened the Red Sea can do it again. I believe the God who's given us water from the rock can do it again. The majority reports that we're not able. But Caleb said we are more than able. The majority reports that I don't believe. Caleb said I don't believe. And God knows right now we need some Caleb's in Heritage Baptist Church that say I believe. I believe that Jesus' death on the cross is for every sinner. I believe that the Bible is the entire word of God that needs to be put in every household. I believe that men need to get saved. I believe the gospel needs to be preached. I believe that God answers prayer. I believe that God's promises are true. I believe that God will build his church. I believe we can have the largest number of visitors ever in our church. I believe if we go to two morning services, we can fill up the church. Listen, tonight I can go on and on and on. We all have to get like Caleb and say, I believe. I believe. I believe God is able. I believe God wants to save souls. I believe God wants to use us. I believe that there's something God wants to do. I believe that. But I'm going to tell you tonight, in order for that to happen, for new churches to start, for people to be saved and things to happen, we need some help tonight. I need staff members who unquestionably say, I believe. I need some deacons who unquestionably say, I believe. 
I need some Sunday school teachers who say, I believe. I need some drivers who say, I believe. I need some nursery workers who say, I believe. I need some choir and orchestra members to stop thinking that you're not good and say, I believe we can get a CD done and God can use it for his glory. I need those of you who are Spanish-speaking now to step up in leadership and say, I believe we ought to build the greatest Spanish-speaking ministry here in our church. I believe those of you who are part of our Chinese ministry, we've been parking ourselves, we've been sitting there, we have our joke in the morning, but listen, you're not there getting so many. I'm going to tell you tonight, you need to say with Pastor Fong, I believe we can reach the Chinese-speaking community for Jesus Christ tonight. I need everybody to have a spirit like Caleb. Caleb's name means dog. You say, that's a bad name. No, it's not. Dogs are loyal. Where do you think the cliche came from? Dog's your man's best friend. Do you believe? Believe God can use you? Do you believe God wants to fill up the church? Do you believe God wants to add more people to the church? Do you believe God wants to save souls? I'm saying, do you believe? Caleb was saturated with an unambiguous resolution. Let's go up at once and possess it. Now the part you're waiting for the most. I want you to see the last point. I'm done. Just a simple thought. We see the undebatable perusal. Go view the land. We see the undefeated persuasion. Caleb said, I believe. Let's go up now. But I want you to think about this last thought. Write this down. We see the undeveloped performance. Let me repeat that again. The undeveloped performance. What happens here? They rebelled against Moses. So make us a new captain. Let's have a business meeting right now. We're going to vote in a new pastor. Josh and Caleb said, wait, guys, you saw what we brought here. They said, we'll stone you too, Josh and Caleb. Guess who showed up in the business meeting? God came down. God came down. You better listen tonight. You better listen tonight. You get in God's way, God's going to come down. God came down. You know what he told those ten spies? And everybody who was over the age of 20... What did he tell him? Guess what? You're going to stay in this wilderness. And you're going to stay here for the next 40 years. And you're not going to get to see the fruit of the land. And I want you to understand what's going on. You know, you know what the wilderness journey was? They were going in circles. You know what happens? You don't follow the vision. You're just going in circles. You go nowhere. You go. You listen. You will do nothing significant with your life if you never get on board with a vision greater than you. You'll never make a difference. You'll stand with tears in your eyes before the judgment seat of Christ saying, I had the opportunity, but I was like those ten spies and said, we are not able to do it. That's what the wilderness journey is about. This one in circles and circles and circles and circles. And guess what? Then when you go in circles, you know what happens when you spend 40 years there? He said, you're going to die in the wilderness. You know what he was telling them? You're going to waste your life and waste your time for the next 40 years. And I'm going to tell you tonight, if you're not busy for God and Jesus isn't first, I'm not saying you ought to be in the ministry if God hasn't called you that. But I'm saying, if you're not, if you don't love God enough and love your church, you're wasting your life and time. You're wasting your time. Why did Jesus save you? He's called us and saved, he saved us and called us with a holy calling, Paul said in 2 Timothy 1.9. And so, you have to think about this tonight. 
for it to get done. We're going nowhere unless there's some commitment. The vision needs to be developed. The plan needs to be executed. Doors need to be knocked on. Lots of prayer meetings have to go up before God. Offerings have to be given. Listen, there's the undeveloped performance. We've got this place right now. God has called us to do something. But the question is, will we do it? Vision without faith is wildfire. Vision without commitment is wishful thinking. Vision without work is undeveloped performance. Very simple. Caleb still the people. And he said, let us go up at once to possess it. For we are well able to possess the land. Here's the invitation tonight. Very simple. Very simple. And there's no coercion. There's no coercion. I'm inviting couples and families. Singles who are here together, your friends. I'm inviting you tonight. Everyone is a church to make this your invitation. To meet God at the altar tonight. Say, Lord, I believe. Help them my unbelief. Because I think our attitude is, well, I agree with it, but who's going to do it? Not who's going to do it, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. You say, Pastor, I'm not in good health. That's okay. You can pray. You can pray. I don't know. Not everyone can kneel down. Some of our health needs. Some of us can't do that. I understand that. But Caleb stilled the people. He said, let's go up at once. And I'm going to invite you tonight. What to come tonight as families. And say, Lord, I'm here. To start this new year. Asking for your power. Asking your enablement. I want to set a good example to my boys. I set a good example to my daughters. And listen to me tonight. I, I'm a little hard tonight. I'm sorry about that. But I'm burning about this thing. I'm, I'm burning about this thing. I have to give account to God for your souls one day. You know, my greatest desire... And see, you just would thrive in the Lord. Not everybody's supposed to be in the ministry. I understand that. But I do want you to enjoy the Lord. I said that last Sunday. Okay. And what God has in mind for you is not against you. Whatever God has in mind for us is better than we could have ever scripted. God's script for us is the best script. Would you do that tonight? Would you come as a teacher? The driver, nursery worker, new member, old, young, married, divorced, whatever we may be. We're going to give the invitation. You say, why am I a bad Christian if I don't? No, you're not a bad Christian. But I encourage you to come. Because I think if you step out, it says a lot about your faith. Well, I can believe where I'm seated. Yeah, that's that's what the ten spies said. And guess what? They got stuck. They went in a circle. They went nowhere. This belief tonight. I believe. Let's go up now. Let's do it now. Let's get it done. We are well able.
to possess it. Father, tonight we give the invitation. Holy Spirit has spoken. The word of God has been preached. We give you this service now and ask tonight, mobilize us, move us to be concerned and encourage to love you with all our heart, soul, and mind. Help us this evening that we'd assemble together, get the mind of Christ for lives. Lord, tonight, I pray for you give us faith to believe. Would you come tonight? I'm going to ask my family members, you'll come and meet with me and my wife at the piano. We're not going to play. I'm going to ask you to come tonight. Just find your place somewhere. I'm going to ask my family to come and meet with me and my wife at the piano. We're going to pray. Would you come tonight? This is come. God knows where we're at. We just, we just want God to work our heart. Our faith is so small. My faith is so small. Would you come tonight? Let's come tonight. You come tonight. Let's come tonight. Let's find our place and pray. I believe. I believe. Do you believe tonight? He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. Do you come tonight? We're going to take time to pray. I'm having my family come. My family's making the way. We're going to have prayer at the piano for a minute. You pray. We just want to love God. We want him to love us. Caleb was shocked. He was in grief. He was hurting in his heart. That this opportunity before them, they weren't willing to grasp it. Can you imagine looking back at your life and saying, I didn't take advantage of the opportunity God gave us? Would you come tonight? Thank you for a church that's very tender-hearted. It's still a very young church. A church that desires to serve God. Lord, as we unveil pieces of things over these next few weeks, help us to obey you. Give our church a sweet spirit to serve and honor you, Lord. And so tonight we pray you'd honor those things that have been prayed and lifted before you. We thank you tonight for what you've said, what you've done. We commit all this to you. Help us possess the land. Help us not to wind up wandering and going in circles and wasting our time and wasting our life, Lord, but use our life properly for the glory of God. Help us tonight that you be honored through what's been prayed and said. All these things we lift up and commit to you tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.